Luke 19, Luke 4, John 8, Mark chapter 2. Hosanna. Hosanna. I almost caught you off guard, didn't I? We've already learned it means save now or save me. If you're running off of a, off a dock, somebody pushes you off a dock and you don't know how to swim, save me. Hosanna. But it also turned over the years into this phrase that meant uh, our Savior has arrived. Help is here. Um, it was a, turned into a confident, jubilant cry, right? Help is here. Hosanna. Hosanna. That would be the, the phrase that you would have heard on that day, Palm Sunday, as Jesus comes riding a colt, a donkey, into Jerusalem. Today, all across the world, many churches are celebrating Palm Sunday, um, the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem receiving a hero's welcome. A ticker tape parade, as it were. But instead of confetti, they had palm leaves. Instead of marching bands, Tons and tons of people shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Instead of a convertible limousine, a donkey. And the man at the center of it all was a man named Jesus. I hope you know him. I hope he's your Savior. Luke 19, turn there with me. In the midst of this ticker tape parade, his disciples have just rather miraculously secured the uh, limo. Here we go, verse 35. Then they brought him, that is the, the colt of the donkey, they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I always try to point this out. Um, I just love it. The way these next few verses point out. Notice here in verse 35, it's just a small entourage, just Jesus and his disciples, right? But the next few verses read like a big budget musical finale. Look at verse 36. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. You guys know those shows, right? Where just a couple of people are dancing and singing together and then suddenly a few more and then a few more. And before you know it, the entire population of a small town in Iowa is singing. And they all know the same words. Listen, right here in this scripture, it actually happened. There was one day when it actually happened. Because look, verse 35 says it was just a few. Verse 36, there were many. Now look at verse 37. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, and I'll insert it here, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and, in, and glory in the highest. Verse 39 says, And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Awesome. Talk about a triumphal entry. Jesus basically, they, they, they say, keep those guys quiet. And he says, uh... Good luck with that. This moment is so historic that if, if they shut up, the, the, the very rocks will cry out. This looked to be a coronation ceremony where Jesus would step up to the throne of David, the rightful heir, deliver Israel, they thought, from the power of Rome. Now, we know in hindsight... They were looking for a political, a military-type savior. 
And we know from hindsight that God had something entirely different in mind. But this morning, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you'll be able to, what I want us to do, if, if it sounds a little odd, is I want to try as best as we can to sort of forget that we know the rest of the story. To, to experience this in real time. Uh, we try to do this uh, when, when Easter rolls around, and, and this is the beginning point of that, because what I think happens, I don't know about you, but it's really easy to blow through Easter and just almost miss it. And to maybe think that, you know, there's uh, peeps. Hey, nothing against peeps. Peeps are good. Uh, just that that's what it's about. And to miss nearly the whole thing. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're trying to not miss it, but you're still like, I don't know, it just is like one more Sunday. I think that we would do ourselves a favor if we can rewind ourselves a little bit and pretend like we don't know how it ends so much, and really enter into this uh, parade route. Really remember what an awesome king he is and was. And I think as we do, then Thursday is going to hit us a little harder. Friday is going to hit us a little harder. And then next Sunday, we'll come rejoicing. Okay? So I want us to, this to be like a reminder of how deserving of a ticker tape parade Jesus was and is now have you ever said something that you wish you hadn't yes talking with uh, Jeremy this morning he's like he actually he didn't wasn't able to hear the first message and he was like you ever say something and you just wish you could grab it like this yep I do all the time should I throw you on the bus or not we're back there, back there, and I've been on a diet. I've been losing some weight, and uh, and he quizzes me about it and all this stuff, and he goes, "So is it working?" <laughs> it's like, oh, let me get that back. <sighs> Pray for Jeremy. No. So I'm, I'm taking it that that Jeremy's not alone. That we all say things that you're like, "Oh man, I wish I could have that." back where the words escape your mouth and you would pay a thousand dollars if you could hit a rewind button and have them just suck back into your lungs and out of existence yes okay well i'm hoping that this next thing i say is not going to be that i i'm actually you you know if you've been here a while you know that um we try actually i'm fairly diligent i think not to be political here um if you were with us a, a few weeks back there's a series, and if you weren't, I'd, I'd like for you to hear it. There's a series of uh, uh, the winsome servants, winsome evangelism. And uh, we, we realized and learned in that text that the Lord, uh, the thing that's winsome to people is when they see us submitting to authority, even authority that we may, may not care for. Okay, So um, this is not really political, but it, it serves as an illustration. And so that's all of my qualifications here this morning. And... I have an illustration that I think, fortunately, will be an equal opportunity offender. I got one from both of our recent administrations, okay? And I want you remember to remember that we're supposed to be winsome. So when I mention a particular administration, don't go, boo, hiss. 
Because there might be people that are like, hey, what's that? That's not winsome. Okay? And I said that in the first service, and it was dead silence. Like, <laughs> So, let me give you two examples of administrations that I think, if they could, they would hit the rewind button and say, ooh, man, I wish that had gone down just a little different. The last administration, George W. Bush, remember when he was on that aircraft carrier? And behind him was that banner that said, Mission accomplished. Oh, wish I could hit the rewind button and, and take that back. His, his pundits had a field day with that because that he had supposedly claimed uh, the mission accomplished. I understand that wasn't what he meant, but the fact that it was out there and that the, the public, uh, especially his, his critics, could, could make... Uh, mincemeat of those words. I'm guessing that it, if he could, he would hit that rewind button for that particular moment in a heartbeat. Well, this week, I noticed what might be, could be, eventually, the, the current administration's mission accomplished banner. The White House, there was several, uh, several headlines that read, uh, the White House sends out this message. This is what change looks like. Now, if everything goes beautifully over the next year or two, that's genius. But if it doesn't, his pundits are going to have a field day with that. Oh, this is what change looks like? Now, you're thinking, why in the world did you go there? That wasn't winsome. I did my best. I tried to be winsome. Here's the thing. The reason I bring that up is because there is a leader on that cult that donkey who made some amazing claims and never needed a rewind button. If you were in that parade, if you were on the, the, the wayside, if you were one of his disciples who had been with him for three and a half years, you could look back three and a half years, almost a whole term, and go, wow, he claimed this and look at what he did. In that parade, he could still have a banner behind him that would say, Mission Accomplished. If there was a bumper sticker on the donkey, it could say, This is what change looks like in a good way. Okay? Jesus made some amazing claims and he has no need to retract. You guys want to look at those claims? Yes. I hope so because I got nothing else. Luke. <laughs> Luke chapter 4. Turn to Luke chapter 4. We're going to see some of the claims that Jesus made. And what I hope to do in each case is just kind of remind you that there's a decent chance that the people that, that where Jesus fulfilled his mission, that some of those very people were at this uh, coronation ceremony on Palm Sunday. Okay? But I want, you to, I want you to see it. Luke chapter 4. This is his mission statement. This is the big mission accomplished kind of banner. Uh, here we go. It takes us back to a day at the beginning of Jesus' mission. Look at verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he comes to his hometown. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. As a side note, I didn't actually, someone shared this with me. Um, apparently, the, the, the Jewish readings were on a rotation and it just kind of inc incidental. 
that happened to come to Isaiah. Okay, And he, ha- he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place, happens to be Isaiah 61, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, stop there real quick. He has anointed me. Whoever the me is, is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. Okay? The Spirit, so Jesus speaking these words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He, God Almighty, has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Another thing that was shared with me is that, um, and I'm taking this as, as their, their word is good, but that this was the, the year of Jubilee, which we're going to talk about in a little bit as well. That it was the year of Jubilee when Jesus read these words. Okay, Jesus reads these words out of the book of Isaiah 61. I don't know if you're catching it the first time around, but this is awesome. Jesus is in the synagogue. He's handed this book He reads the Messianic prophecy. And just like you guys, when you came in here today, you you expect me to talk about the real Messiah, right? Right? If instead I were to tell you, I am the Savior, and then sit down. Hopefully that wouldn't go so well, would it? Okay? He's reading this book, in the first person. They're expecting him to launch into a sermon. To say something like, Now, when this Messiah comes, this is what he will do. He will deliver uh, the, the brokenhearted. He'll preach the gospel to the poor. He'll set the captives free. They're expecting him to talk about a future Messiah. But instead, verse 20, he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He's like, yep, that'll do it. <laughs> Sits down. Awesome. He just read this first-person perspective. Read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He's, He's sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He read it in the first person and He read it with authority and then He sits down. It says, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Some of them, we're going to see, the next verse says, all eyes were on them. You know why? They got it. No one reads that scripture and then sits down. You must read that scripture and then go, and I can't wait for this guy to show up. He read it and then sat down, and they must have, at least some of them must have realized, wait, this is not a sermon. This is a mission statement awesome no wonder the rest of verse 20 says and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him no one had ever had the guts to read that passage as though they were the author and then without any explanation sit down they're all staring at him and then to remove all doubt verse 21 and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing awesome He says, uh, the scripture about the Messiah. Hello. It's me. It's 
awesome. There's no fanfare. There's no pomp and circumstance. It's understated to the point of comedy. Right? But his words went out with shock and awe. They reverberated for three and a half years. And on that Palm Sunday, not a one of them returned to him void. Not a one of them. Nobody could say, oh, well, he said he was going to deliver the the captives, but that didn't happen. Now, let's let's break down these promises, this mission statement. Verse 18. Excuse me, and, and we're going to be coming back to this text. Again, this is kind of our core text. Um, you're welcome to come back here, but it's in such small pieces that if, uh, if you want to stay where you are, you can. Okay, here we go. Luke 4:18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. Jesus says, part of my mission statement is to preach good news, it says, to the poor. The first thing Jesus promised was to deliver good news to the poor in our economy. Can I get an amen? amen. Or amen, if you're from Scotland. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Jesus did deliver good news to the financially poor, okay? Um, he said in his parable that the beggar, Lazarus, was going to be much better off than the rich man. He praised the widow who gave her two mites into the treasury and said, that woman is rich. His very first words on the Sermon on the Mount were, blessed, happy are the poor. But I hope you know that he wasn't primarily talking financially. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word poor here, it means, listen to this, destitute, reduced to beggary, helpless, powerless. Picture is of a beggar who's got nothing to offer you. You, You're approaching him and all he can do is beg. He's got nothing to, to give in return. The word poor means destitute. Literally, it means crouching in terror. Turn to John 8. I want to show you a face that may have been in the crowd on that Palm Sunday. This person, I think, would say, you know what? He lived up to his mission statement to deliver good news to the destitute. John chapter 8, verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, who knows how much clothes, if any, she had on caught in the act. Verse four, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And that just struck me this week more than it used to, I think. They're accusing her and God with skin on acts like he does not hear. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is... Without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, 
Here are the stones dropping on the ground, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Y'all, that's, that's good news to the destitute, to those crouching in terror because they know they deserve wrath. She was shamed. She was accused, probably half-clothed at best. Jesus acts as though he doesn't even hear the accusations. And then he comes to her defense and then he offers good news. He preaches the gospel. He offers good news to a bankrupt woman. He says, I don't condemn you either. Now go. Start again. Go and sin no more. Don't raise your hand necessarily, but anyone here feel bankrupt? Destitute? You got... I mean, all of us to a degree, but maybe especially you today. you got nothing to offer God. There's, there's shame. There's things in your past or maybe even in your present that you are so shamed by. Would this be good news to you if God were to say, I'm not condemning you. If God were to say, come, let us reason together. I can make your sin as white as snow. For God to say, I don't condemn you. Go. Now, sin no more. If that's you, that's what he says to you today. We pray every week that the Lord would insert the the words that he once said and extract the words that he doesn't. Maybe that's what you needed to hear. You have a Savior whose mission statement says, I have come to preach and give really good news to the destitute, the bankrupt. Okay? I wonder if, as Jesus rode on that donkey, if he saw this woman's face. Who knows? But we know there's probably about two million people in Jerusalem on that day because of the Passover. Could be, we don't know. Maybe he heard the voice of this formerly destitute, bankrupt woman saying, Hosanna! Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, Now, back in Luke chapter 4. Next on Jesus' bold mission statement. He says next, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The word brokenhearted actually means uh, not just like broken in two, like you see the... the, uh, necklaces and stuff. It means to be shivered into pieces, like to be shattered. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, we know, hopefully you know, Jesus had healed so many people that no doubt there were some of them that were along the way here on this this parade route. But this his mission statement specifically says that he would heal the shattered hearted, the brokenhearted. Well, who would that be? We don't know for sure, but my mind goes to a few uh, suspects here. What about this centurion, Matthew chapter 8, whose heart was broken for his servant? 
who is laid uh, at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Or maybe Jairus, whose heart was broken for his daughter, who died while uh, Jairus was getting help from Jesus, but Jesus came and um, raised her from the dead. What about the father whose heart was broken for his son, who had a demon that threw him into the fire on a semi-regular basis? What about Mary and Martha? Don't you think their heart was broken when their brother Lazarus died. In each case, Jesus did what was mentioned in Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. I have no doubt that some of the faces in the crowd who were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. were there because He had mended their broken hearts. They would say to you, he, he accomplished His mission with me. Now maybe that's you today. Again, I don't, I don't know every circumstance here. But I know that there are some in the last few weeks who've had heartache. You've lost loved ones. You've had your heart broken and you think it's beyond repair. This says that Jesus' mission statement included mending shattered hearts. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus because that's one of the things that He does. He mends hearts that are shattered. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to them who have a broken heart and He saves those with a contrite spirit. Bring your broken heart to Jesus and let Him be, as the Bible says, He wants to be your God of all comfort. Next on His mission statement, to proclaim, He says, I've been sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, if you look down a couple of verses from that, it looks very similar to where it says he's set at liberty, um, those who are captive. But there's a slight difference. Um, the, 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 the latter one is talking more about an action, but the former one is talking about proclaiming, that is to say something out loud. Um, here's, here's what it means. The word liberty is, is what helps. Uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives. It can mean release from bondage or imprisonment, but listen, it also means forgiveness or pardon of sins. In other words, letting someone go as if that sin had never been committed. Uh, it means to the remission of a, of a deserved penalty. So, let me rephrase it. Jesus' part of, part of his mission statement is to declare pardon. To give, to grant pardon to those who don't deserve it. Anybody, is that anybody else besides me? Okay. Part of his mission statement is to declare pardon upon repentant, guilty folks. Now, is there, are there some faces in the crowd on that parade route? No doubt there were plenty, but I'm, I'm thinking of five guys. No, not the restaurant. No, and no, they're not all named Mo. Thinking of four guys and their paralytic friend. You remember Mark chapter 2? You guys staying with me? Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again he entered, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even the door. Uh, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried, it says, by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. 
So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now watch. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, he proclaimed to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. See what he did there? He proclaimed liberty, pardon, to he who was captive. You could say uh, paralyzed, restricted. He proclaimed pardon to the paralyzed. He proclaimed liberty to the captive. Well, that didn't go unnoticed. Verse 6, And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. Verse 8, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. Now watch verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. In other words, just so you know, when I made the proclamation back in in, uh, Luke chapter 4, that I actually have the authority to do it, here's your proof. He said to the paralytic, verse 11, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. You see, once again, mission accomplished. I've come to proclaim forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. If they're repentant, I've come to proclaim forgiveness. I wonder if those four friends were lining the street. And if they were, I'll bet you're right in front of them, front row center, their buddy, on his own two legs, no longer paralyzed. No longer paralyzed by guilt. Shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna. Now maybe, maybe that's how the Lord uh, gets your attention this morning. Maybe you need forgiveness. Maybe you are paralyzed by guilt. I hope you see here, it's in His mission statement to come and proclaim forgiveness to whomever He wants to. To whomever will come to him and say, Hosanna, save me. See, let me remind you again. Hosanna means save me. Maybe that's your quiet cry this morning. You know you are in need of forgiveness. You're paralyzed by guilt. You can come to him and say, save me, Lord. And it's his pleasure and it's in his mission statement to proclaim forgiveness from God. Verse 18 from Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Now, to try to talk about all of the blind people that Jesus gave sight to, you do want to be out of here today, right? There's a lot of them. Let me give you just a few and I'm going to kind of blaze through them. See if you get a sense. And this is just a tiny fraction. Then you'll see there'll be places in here where it will say, and he gave sight to many, like multitudes. So here you go. Matthew 12, 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. 
Matthew 15:30. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them all. Mark 8:22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man. And that man, they begged him to touch this man, and he did, and he was healed. Mark 10:51. So Jesus answered and said to them, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. Okay, done. Luke 7, 21. And that very hour he cured many of infirmities, affliction, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And then John 9, verse 1 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now that was unusual because... uh, Throughout all history, there was never a recorded case of someone who was blind from birth being healed, being completely given vision. And then the the gospel writer of John spends some time talking about this particular man and how he was given vision. And eventually he gets to the point where he's talking to the religious leaders. They're saying, who did this? Who who did this terrible thing? Gave you sight because they're mad. And, And he says, well, you ask me if he's the Messiah? Well... One thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. You tell me. If you can't see it, then you're blinder than I was, is what he ends up saying. I'd be surprised if that guy wasn't here at this parade, don't you? I think that he would have been there at that parade, and he would have cried with all the rest, Hosanna. Hosanna. Application. For you. Because again, if this is, I mean, and it's awesome, and I, I enjoy it. If it's just wrapping ourselves inside the story, that's good. But I think the Lord brought us here for specific reasons to, to speak to each one of us individually. He's still in that business of ministering, touching people. Maybe your application this morning is this that you need vision. Maybe there's a, a, a problem, circumstance that, that just this week you thought, there. I don't see any way out of this. There's absolutely no way. He's the one who gives vision. He's the one who restores sight to the blind. Maybe you have a friend that you've been trying to to minister to, you've been trying to witness, and they're unbelievers, and they still don't see what you see in Jesus. Pray to Him, Lord, save. Hosanna. Give them light to their eyes. That's what he does. It's in his mission statement. He's really pretty good at it. Part of Jesus' mission statement is the recovery of the sight to the blind. And then it says, the last portion of the text in Luke 4, Jesus, on that, uh, as he, as he uh, preached that first sermon, I guess you would say, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Again, that was shared with me. Uh, between services that this was the year of the Lord when he said this. Um, the, the jubilation, or jubilee, excuse me, the jubilee celebration, that's what they called it. Um, in, in Israel, uh, in, their, in the Old Testament, you will find this jubilee talked about. And it's every 50 years. And it's basically, the shortest way I can put it is it's a celebration of new beginning and canceled debt. If I were to... Uh, loan you something, um, all, all debts are wiped out on the year of jubilation. 
So in context with that, Jesus says, look, my last thing I'm going to mention in, in my mission is to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, to bring new beginnings to those who are oppressed. Now, on the road to Jerusalem, that donkey, all of the folks that were saying, Hosanna! Hosanna. Thought they knew what they meant. They thought that he would set at liberty us who are oppressed by Rome. That's what they thought. But, We know that they didn't get it. So much so that just a week later, they are crying, mission failed. But in fact, if you were to pay attention and actually ask some of the people around the crowd, uh, hey, weren't you once demon-possessed? Didn't you actually, weren't you oppressed and now you've been set free? Again, as we get toward the end of this, did you notice that I started talking about individuals and giving individual stories and now I have to lump them all together. Because when you get to to healing the blind and and, uh, delivering people from from demons, there were just too many to talk about. Um, How many former demoniacs uh, were there? How many had been set free? I'm sure it it would have been tons, including, remember the guy that had no, no physical chain could hold him in Gadara? And there wasn't, man had never made a chain that could hold this guy, but he was in spiritual chains, completely ruled by uh, a legion of demons. Over and over again, and that's just one example, with just a word, with a command, that these demons, wherever Jesus would go, they would shriek, they would cry for mercy, and then they would flee. Don't you think some of those folks would have been there on that parade route and if they were how crazy would it be to see them in their right mind and not shrieking but crying Hosanna Hosanna Hosanna, our Savior our Deliverer we're getting close to the end guys anybody here don't raise your hand in chains I don't we're not interested in embarrassing you But if there are chains that are in your life and you know about them, something that you want to overcome but you haven't. Maybe you're oppressed by a cruel master of a particular sin. Jesus says right here, this is my mission statement. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. If that's you, come to Him today and listen. Here's the thing. So often we come to Him but come to Him and then be willing to do whatever He prescribes for you. He may say, get rid of that television or that computer or cut off that relationship. Whatever it is, actually follow through with it. Otherwise, you're not a doer of the Word. You're just a hearer of the Word. Come to Him. He is the one whose mission statement is to set the liberty, set, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Again, you notice I'm rushing this message, starting to to pile great piles of works of Jesus as we get to the end, just trying to keep on schedule. I do feel better because the Apostle John had the same problem. 
Remember how he closed his book, John 21, 25? And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. So he copped out too. (laughs) But I mean, what else are you going to do? This guy, everywhere he turned, he was healing, he was restoring, he was forgiving. (laughs) They think it was two million people in Jerusalem on that day Tons of personal stories about this Jesus. Mission accomplished. Now they had no idea that the best was yet to come. Well, before that though was the worst that was yet to come. For now though, the whole city teemed with one phrase. Hosanna! Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let me close with this. Hosanna can mean... In case you didn't get it yet, can mean one of two things. Awesome. My Savior has arrived. Or it can mean, save me. Whether you're celebrating a recent rescue or you're in need of a rescue, your call is the same. Hosanna. Okay. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for these saints, Lord, whom you have uh, plucked out of the fire. Lord, and Lord, you know every heart. You know that there may be some who still don't know you. Lord, I ask that you change it, Lord. Uh, we, want to, uh, we want to give you praise, Lord. And, and uh, you know every single heart. And we know that your word says that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I pray that you would, uh, you would speak, Lord, uh, to each one. That you would give us application, those of us who are yours, Lord, and and those who uh, have not yet surrendered to you, Lord. I pray that you'd speak in in a way that they could get it and understand and respond and be saved from death into life. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.